Um, before we go any further today and continue in our worship, um, how many of y'all, this has been a tough week for you? No? It's been a tough week. Um, thanks, Liz. It's been a tough week all around the nation. Um, this week in itself, and just being in a pandemic, but on top of that, you, you have, um, in the last week or two, the incident with Dante Wright in, in Minnesota, and then you have uh, this Adam Toledo incident that just came out that we figure out uh, what really happened, and then you hear about a mass shooting in Indianapolis with FedEx and, and all, all of this on top of a pandemic, and I'm not here to sway anybody's thoughts or beliefs about police and this and that, but you know, I think to state the obvious, we, we can see that there's been injustice. Um, it's systemic too, and it's really not just inherent today. It's been there since we came over in America, you know, black folks and people of color. Uh, the, when I see something like this happen, I, I instantly think of myself. I think that could have been me. That could have been my son. Could have been one of my friends. Um, and for us to be a multi-ethnic church, multicultural church at that, man, your heart should hurt. My heart does. And um, felt like it just keeps breaking over and over again. And the reality is, as a black man, I know that this, this stuff is not new. Social media is just new. And sadly, some of us are just learning about some of the injustice in society. There's been many times where I've been pulled over and some of these same incidents could have been me. Um, and so my heart breaks on many different levels for this. But change has to happen. And I do believe that that doesn't just happen through reform within our judicial policing system that needs to change but change happens one life at a time change happens at dinner tables it happens when we do life with one another and the reality is once you start to do life with one another someone that's different than you someone that doesn't vote like you doesn't look like you doesn't eat like you doesn't doesn't do any of those things like you when you sit at a table with them and you start to learn someone's story then you can't see something like this happen and not hurt you can't see something happen of this nature and not say, I want to do something about it. You don't look at scripture the same way. You don't look at society the same way. And I do believe that God, his desire is for us to be one, for us to be together. That's what it's going to be like in heaven. But in America, our narrative has not been that. And I thank God to be a part of a multi-ethnic church and a multicultural church. But if this is where that stops for you, then we are, I'm failing you as a pastor. Change on Sunday morning. This is not where it happens. It happens in your houses. It happens in your communities. It happens on your jobs. It happens when we take the truth of Jesus Christ and the hope we have with him and share it with other people. Knowing that that extends horizontally in our relationships. So to love God means to love my neighbor. And your neighbor most of the time, especially in Chicago, does not look like you. And I believe one life at a time, year after year, if we continue to do this, we will see some change. We'll see a difference. But until then, we're going to lift this up in prayer. But at the same time, we're going we're to take action. We're going to do life with one another and see something different happen.
There are many of us in here that are hurting. There are many of us that are feeling this on different levels. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to start. Like I said, start with your neighbor. Start with somebody that sits across from you at work. Have a Zoom combo if you're not ready to do dinner with them. Get to know someone else's story. Instead of seeing it through your own lens and making a judgment because of that. Again, I'm not here to sway your beliefs or anything like that. But at the same time, someone's son died. And that could have been your pastor. And so what I want to do today is I just want to pray for our nation. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us as a church. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't do that. We don't do this every time this happens because I do believe that if we're really doing the work of the ministry, then our hearts hurt, but our hearts are compelled to do something about it already because of what we preach. We preach the gospel, preach Jesus here, which you can't get past preaching about against injustice and things of that nature in society unless you just avoid it. And so I want to pray this morning, and I want to believe the best about our church and that this isn't the only space that we're going to have that's diverse. But through what God does in renewal, we'll see change in our city, but hopefully our nation. I do believe God's up to something here, and this is just the beginning of that work. We've got a long way ahead of us, though. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good God. God, my heart does hurt. Conflicted in different ways. One side, I, I understand. I, I don't know what I would do in a split second, especially if I'm ruled by fear on both sides. But at the same time, that doesn't give justice to pulling the trigger and taking a life or anything, God. God, at the same time, I feel it because that could have easily been myself or my friend or my son. So, God, I just pray that as a church, we wouldn't just hurt God, but we'd be compelled to love one another, that we'd be compelled to know each other's story, that we pray for our neighbor, that we do life with our neighbor, that we would love our neighbor, that we would cross lines with individuals that we wouldn't naturally do so with. And God, that we would see change, not only today, but forevermore. Not just in this pandemic, but forever after this, God. We long for a day where we'll be in heaven, where every tongue, tribe, and nation will be there with no, no division, no circumstances, no trials, no tribulations, no racism, no none of that mess, God. But until that day, God, we yearn to have a piece of heaven here on earth. So, God, I pray that we fight for what we need to fight for, that we love one another and see your will and your glory here on this earth done through your people. So your word says your will and your kingdom come, God. Not ours, but yours. I pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, family. Well, as we continue in our time of worship, I want to continue with our time of giving. So if you would, uh, get your offering together, if you would. Um, you can give online, you can give by text, you can give by check, you can give by Zelle. 
you also can drop it into the box on your way out. If you've never given before, try giving today. If you've done that, give a tithe. If you've done that, then give above and beyond uh, to the work of what God is doing here in his city so we can continue to be the church that he wants us to be. And family, as I go on, I'm so thankful for your giving, but I'm also thankful to see the relationships that are happening here and serving in our church, the new people here. I will say this before I get into the word this morning. If you need to talk more about what I talked about earlier, uh, what I just prayed for, then see myself, see Pastor Steve, see Elder Luke. He's here this morning. Y'all can talk with us. We'll we'll sit with you. We'll walk you through that, even some beliefs and things up here at the church. Um, But the reality is I do believe life on life and doing life with one another is where the change begins. Sometimes that dinner table conversation is the hardest conversation we might have in our life. And it's also the most intimate space. So we normally do it with people that, we're, that, that are easiest to do it with. But if we look at the life of Jesus, he sat with those that nobody else would sit with. And that's why we're all sitting here today in this church. So let's continue to fight for that and do that as a church. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 1 this morning. Get your, get your Bibles open if you can. Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to read verses 5 through 14. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5 through 15. If you're able, when you're ready, stand to your feet if you have the word. We, last week we started a series entitled, Jesus Reigns Supreme. Y'all say that with me. Jesus Reigns Supreme. I can't hear you, so y'all going to have to be louder in here. Jesus All right, now y'all got mask on, and I heard y'all worshiping, so I still need y'all to worship with me and say amen and hallelujah, but you got to say it loud enough so I can hear you, all right? I'm going to keep on preaching today. Uh, Jesus reigns supreme. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5 through 14. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. All right, starting in verse 5, the text says, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be him. That phone wants to read with me. Amen. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. I love that. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Very words of God. Amen. Today I want to preach on the topic before you see Sid is Jesus is the goat. Can y'all say that? Jesus is the goat. 
Jesus is the GOAT. For y'all that don't know what GOAT means, that means greatest of all time. Okay, enter the 21st century. GOAT. Jesus is the GOAT. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. You are awesome. God, let this word be a light unto my feet. As I speak, God, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase in this place. Hide me behind your cross. May you be lifted up and hear and let us hear a word from you, O Father, on this morning. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. Well, there's always been arguments over the greatest of all time. Immediately when I said that, some names popped in your minds. People argue for days over this conversation. And one of the most famous conversations among the sports world right now with who's the GOAT, the greatest of all time, is the conversation of Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. Y'all know this one. And it's funny to hear people's comments and how they break down the stats of who they think is better than the other one. It's funny to hear them give their personal opinions over who the GOAT is, the greatest of all time. And the key word here is opinions. (laughs) But somewhere along the line, that opinion for that person becomes a belief. And they start to argue over who is the GOAT and who is the greatest of all time. Now, this whole GOAT conversation, because some of y'all are like, Pastor D, I can't get with all these sports analogies. This isn't just happening in sports world. We got our opinions on our favorite shoes. We have our opinions on the favorite clothing designers. We have our opinions over the most influential people. We have magazines geared towards the most beautiful woman of the year or the most eligible bachelor. We watch TV shows on this mess. Sorry if y'all like that. I did call it mess. The reality is, is that we live in a culture that idolizes this idea of worship. In everything we're a part of, from our companies to our communities, there has to not only be a leader, but there also is this sense of praise. At the end of the day, we, we want to be praised, and that's really what we're thinking. That's really what's happening with this whole GOAT conversation at the end of the day. I mean, if we're honest, it's less factual, and it's more about who we like. In other words, about who we really worship. Because here's the reality. When I said LeBron James and MJ, somebody in here was like, they ain't my GOAT, Pastor D. I like Kobe. I like Allen Iverson. And here's the reality. This is how I know it's an opinion because Kobe and Allen Iverson, as great as they are, they shouldn't even be in the same conversation. (laughs) When you look at the resume, there's no comparison. But it's an opinion. See, what I'm really trying to get at is that we all ascribe goat-like status to someone or something. And the writer of Hebrews right here in chapter 1, when we start walking through this, what he's doing is he's trying to set the record straight because people were giving goat-like status to angels and prophets and others. So he's basically saying, let me let you know, it's okay to give honor to where honor is due. It's okay to recognize people for what they do or angels or prophets. But hear me, there's only one goat 
There's only one greatest of all time, and it ain't no angel. It's not a prophet. It's not a thing, but it's Jesus. Jesus is supreme. Now, now family, look, look, as we walk through this, I, I need y'all to pull in close. I need you to listen and stick with me because I'm about to walk through a lot of the text. We're going to milk it all the way dry. But the main point I want you to take away today, which is a carryover from last week, hear me again when I say this, Jesus is the GOAT. In other words, this means he is indeed supreme. He reigns supreme. I want y'all to take that away today. That's what I want y'all to know. And it's good news for us if we believe. It's good news. And last week we began our series, if you missed this, Jesus reigns supreme. And, and by way of reminder, when we're walking through this, we're walking through the book of Hebrews line by line, word by word. We're breaking this thing down. And the reason we're doing this is because if, if you read the context or if you look at the historical context or narrative around uh, Hebrews, the writer wrote this during the time where they were experiencing trials and tribulations, kind of like we're going through now. And, and he wrote it to encourage them in a time of need. And so I believe as we're walking through this, it's going to do the same for us too. We're going to be encouraged as we walk through this. We open our series with the writer of Hebrews pointing out the supremacy of Jesus Christ, where he begins in chapter 1 with the fact that God used to speak through prophets. Again, the word here, key word is used to. Everybody say used to. He used to speak through prophets or people that were called by God to deliver a word from God. But now God has spoken through his son. The writer tells us that Jesus is the heir of all things and that all things that were created, they were created through him. Says that he is the radiance of the glory of God, meaning that he gives off the glory of God. So to behold, Jesus is to behold the glory of God. He tells us that he is the exact imprint of God and he upholds the universe by the power of his word. All of this is in verses 1 through 3. And then he ends in in the third verse and he says that now after purification for sins, he is now sat down at the right hand of the Father in glory. See, what the writer is trying to tell us again here, in case you missed it, is that Jesus isn't just some regular old guy, but instead, no, Jesus is indeed supreme. And as I told you last week, this is important. And even as we started today, this is important because in the midst of the turmoil we're going through on a week-to-week basis, on a day-to-day basis, the things that we experience from the murder rate, from racism to a police officer killing another young man, whether it be a black or Latino, I mean, it, it, all the things that we're experiencing and all of that in the midst of a pandemic, hear me, believers don't just believe in anybody. But we trust the one who is supreme, Jesus Christ. And that's good news. But some of y'all have missed this, so let me keep walking through this passage today. Hopefully you get it by the end of our time. Our our passage today picks up where we left off last week because in verse 5 of the text we read today, it says 4-2. Y'all see those words? 4-2 at the beginning, which points back to what's happened in the preceding verse, which is verse 4. Read it with me. It says, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than others and than theirs. So again, verse 1 through 3, it, it points out the supremacy of Christ. And in verse 4, the writer caps off this saying that Jesus is superior to angels. 
Now, you may be sitting there saying, well, Pastor D, I get that. That's not really much of a new fact for me, but you have to understand the context and what's happening right now. If you were back then and one of the original readers, these first century Jewish Christians, they revered angels. They thought very highly of them because they, they were a means of divine revelation. They were known to appear in human form, to minister before the very throne of God, to guide and protect humans, and they revealed the Mosaic law. And because of this, the result was that people came to think of angels as intermediaries between God and humans. They came to believe that the angels were the ones that bridged the gulf or the gap between God and humans. The angels would listen to their prayers, speak on behalf of God, but then he would, they, they believed that they would take the prayers back to God on their behalf, into the presence of God. So hear me, people literally believe that angels were the way God revealed himself. This is how he spoke to them. So, so to read these words as a, an original reader, the writer would have shocked them. He would have shocked them to tell them that a man is at higher ranking or of higher ranking than an angel's. Now, here's the truth. We know, as we learned last week, that Jesus wasn't just fully human, but he's also fully divine. He's also God in the flesh. So hear me, this makes Jesus superior to the angels because although they were messengers or the ones that would carry the message of God to the people, they were not, hear me, like God. They were not God. The angels worship God. They're not the same. God created angels just like he created everything else. They did not exist in the beginning with him. Hear me, there's a difference between angels and Jesus. Now, this is very key because many times we can tend to deify or even mystify angels. And we put them on the same level as Jesus or sometimes even higher because we don't understand them. And some of you might be sitting there saying, well, Pastor, that's not me. That's not me. That's not me. I, I, I don't put angels up that high. I know that they're not the same as Jesus, but, but let me walk into your kitchen. Because here's the reality. You may not put angels on the same level as Jesus, but there's something in your life that you put on the same level as Jesus. Fill in the blank. Some boy, some woman, some, some thing, something in your life you're putting on the same level as Jesus. And what the writer is trying to let us know in here is that there's nothing or no one that's on the same level of Jesus. Nothing is equivalent to Jesus. He reigns supreme. Family, the doctrine of angels or angelology or even having this Old Testament prophets, it's a lovely thing. But it has one danger. It introduces a series of beings other than God himself or other than Jesus through whom men and women now can make their approach to God. And friends, in Christianity, there is no need for anyone else in between man and God. Jesus, when he died and was buried and rose again, he, through his death, burial, and resurrection, made access to God available. 
There's no veil. It's all been torn. He bridged the gap through his sacrifice on our behalf. Friends, the writer of Hebrews is laying down this great truth that we need neither human nor supernatural beings to bring us into the presence of God. He has torn the veil. Jesus has conquered it all. And because of that, through him, we have access to God. So so, so to make this point clear, what does he do? He he walks us through the passage and he uses a number of Old Testament passages to make his claim clear. I need y'all to stick with me as I walk through this because I'm coming to your neighborhood if I'm not already there. He he begins in verse 5 by saying that Jesus is the son of God. He he starts out by using this specific passage uh, of Psalm chapter 2 where now Jesus is given titles such as the begotten son of God. And it says that God will be a father to him. Now, hear me. This is important because nobody before Jesus had ever acquired this title. Nobody had ever been called the son of God. So if you think of in terms of inheritance, what is all the fathers is all the sons. So so Jesus, hear me, has uniquely been called the son, which again, no angel, no prophet, nobody else before Jesus had been called the son of God. The text moves on in verse 6, and the writer says, not only is Jesus the son of God, but he's also worshiped and deserves all worship from angels. Now, friends, this is very key because no angel or any human is worthy of worship. The only one that's worthy of worship is God. I know I stepped on someone's toes because you're sitting there saying, I want to be known. I I, I do want some worship. I I want people to know who I am. Hear me. In fact, humans being worshipped is far too heavy of a burden. Us being worshipped, that's a heavy burden. You know why? Because almost without fail, every human that has ever been worshipped has been flawed. We all been flawed, and, and, and we have to, we got to pay attention to this because we live in a culture of celebrities. We live in a culture where everybody wants to be known. Everybody wants to be a celebrity. Everybody wants to be famous. You want to be Insta-famous, YouTube-famous, all of that stuff. And then when somebody fails, you know what we do? Cancel them out. Cancel culture. You canceled. And see, this is my problem with cancel culture and celebrities or making people icons. I'm an icon living that Jaden Smith song. You know, all that stuff is because hear me, nobody, nobody will ever fit the bill of being worthy of worship without a fault of failure or any sin. Which means, hear me, that all of us should be canceled. We all should be canceled. So, so, friends, hear me. Getting this true understanding of who is worthy of worship is key because there is only one who has ever walked this earth without any faults, without any failures or sins, and that's Jesus Christ himself. This is why the writer in this passage is saying that he's worthy of worship. Not even the angels are worthy of worship, and we as humans, we're a little lower than the angels, so we definitely ain't worthy of worship. See, the job of the angels was to worship God, and the writer points out that the same worship, in fact, has been attributed to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, which leads us into verses 8 and 9, because these verses, the writer now points out the fact that Jesus is indeed God. 
he, he, he quotes Psalm 45, verse 6 through 7, and he's speaking now of the Davidic Messiah. This is the Messiah, the, the, the one that would come through the line of David, King David. He says this in verse 8. Look at it with me. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Again, the, the writer is pulling us close, and he's pulling out the comparison of angels and Jesus. But in this verse, he says, not only is the Son, Jesus, worthy of worship, but he indeed is God. See, he's not only worthy of worship, but he deserves our worship, and he is to be worshiped. See, the text says he possesses a kingdom and a throne that lasts forever and ever. Verse 9 says that he loves righteousness and he hates wickedness, meaning he is a just God. Y'all keep sticking with me. I'm coming to your neighborhood. The text moves on to verses 10 through 12, further pointing out the deity of Jesus by stating that he through, the, through him, according to Psalm 102, verse 25 through 27, that Jesus has laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of his hands. This once more points out, like we talked about last week, that Jesus is pre-existent. Jesus didn't just come when he was born of the Virgin Mary, but Jesus is pre-existent. And the fact that nothing that has been made has been made without Jesus. In fact, John 1.3 states this, all things were made through him and without him was not anything that was made that was made. See, the writer is not only, he's not only using Psalm 102 to point out the preexistence of Jesus and that he made all things, but yet that all that has been made will perish. Watch this. But Jesus will live on after all that he's made. So hear me. He's not only preexistent, but he's also eternal. Verses 10 through 12 state this. Look at the text. I told y'all we're going to keep looking at the text. It says, you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. Jesus is eternal. The writer moves on and quotes Psalm 110.1 in verse 13. He says that God has never said to the angels that at my right hand you'll sit there and until I make your enemies a footstool under your feet. Family, the, the, the right hand of God was, a, was, a, was mentioned in verse 3 of our text last week. This is a place of power. This is a place of privilege. Not anybody could just sit at the right hand of God but the Son. In fact, in verse 14, he ends it and says that other than worshiping God, what are the angels good for? The angels are just simply ministers or helpers to those that are in Christ Jesus. In other words, those who believe. See, family, I, I need y'all to listen to this because some of y'all I know just tuned out and got lost in all that I just walked through in the text. But hear me. By drawing on a series of Old Testament quotations, what the author is doing right now, he's drawing on these Old Testament passages that were attributed to God. What he's doing is he's demonstrating how God the Father has addressed his son as divine. God the Father addressed him uniquely as my son, as God and Lord. 
But not only that, hear me, God the Father has attributed divine attributes to the Son. Let me break it down once more for you again. He says, he is the firstborn and begotten son who, brought, who was brought into this world so that the angels must worship him. He is the son who made the angels, his angels and his servants. He is the son who sits on the divine throne and rules with the divine attributes of righteousness. He is the son who created the heavens and the earth in the beginning and who will remain the same when creation is consummated because he shares in the same divine attributes of being eternal. Y'all, these examples show that God the Father declared Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, and to be the eternally only begotten Son of God. In other words, Jesus ain't just no regular person. Jesus reigns supreme. Now, some of y'all still sitting there. You may be saying, Pastor D, we walked through a lot these last couple weeks with the prophets and angels, but I, I still don't understand why all of this is important. Hear me, hear me. I had to walk through all of this to help make who Jesus is plain. I had to let you know that he is indeed supreme. Why is that important? As we end, hear me. Jesus is fully human and fully God. 100% God and 100% man at the same time. He's higher than the prophets, higher than the angels. And this is why this is key to understand because as believers, we don't have to go through any angels or prophets to get to God, but we go through Jesus Christ, our supreme mediator, the holy one, the one that's without blemish to get to God, God in the flesh. That's good news. That's good news. Some of y'all didn't clap. Because you're still missing it. So let me try and make this a bit more plain. Jesus not only created all things, but he lived a sinless life and sympathized with our sufferings. No angel or prophet has ever done that. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions and nailed to a cross. No angel or prophet has ever done that. He bled, and through his blood, my sin slate is clean. No angel or prophet has ever done that. He was buried, and he rose from the grave, conquering sin and death. And through my belief, I now have eternal life. No angel or prophet has ever offered me that. Y'all, if you haven't got it by now, hear me. Jesus is indeed supreme. He is the greatest of all time, the GOAT. So, friend, the writer in this first chapter of Hebrews, he's trying to make it very plain to us that we don't just put our trust in anyone. We don't put our trust in anything else, but we have to do, and all of the things that are going on, all we have to do is have faith in the supreme one who's ran before us. He's been there since the beginning of time. He's with us right now in this pandemic, and he'll be with us, and, and, and he'll be after us long after we're dead and gone. So we don't, just pre- we don't just trust in anyone. We don't just press on believing in anyone, but we believe in Jesus. Which hear me means that trials will come. Trials and tribulations will come in this life. We'll experience heartache. 
But instead of trusting in our circumstances, we trust in Jesus. And for some of us, as I said last week, we need to get this straight with Jesus. Some of us have walked in and we've never placed our faith in Christ ever before. Some of us have placed our faith in Jesus, but we've been trusting in other things. And it's time to get that right with him. And all you have to do is say, maybe this is your prayer. So as you listen to me, maybe this is your heart's desire. Say, Jesus, I recognize that I've been running my own ship. I've been the captain of my own soul, and I have not been trusting you in the midst of this pandemic. Never believed in you as my Lord and Savior, but today I do. Thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection. I need you in my life. I want you to be the captain of my soul. I'm tired of messing up. I'm tired of driving this thing by myself. Maybe you've been there and you've been believing, but yet you've been off. This morning, would you say, Jesus, I give you all of me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being supreme. If that's your first time ever praying that or if that's your heart's desire, I tell you, welcome to the kingdom. But if you're in a space and you believe, but you've been off, that's your heart's desire this morning, I tell you, welcome home. Welcome home. Family, we serve the king of kings, the greatest of all time. Jesus Christ. He indeed reigns supreme. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you're awesome. We give you praise and glory this morning. We give you thanks. We thank you for your goodness. God, I do ask for those that are in this space. I even admit I've been at times, been at that place throughout this past year. God, I pray that as we breathe, our repentance, our running back with you, to you would just be like that every day, breathing out the mess of life and breathing in the goodness of you. God, I pray for those that even gave their lives to you this morning and saying, that's me, I need to give it all to Jesus. I'm tired of running this on my own race. I'm tired of doing this on my own and my own power, God. God, that we would just give you all of us this morning because you are supreme and you are a good, good father. We love you, Lord Jesus. Be with us now and forevermore. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we say, amen.